Welcome to the Proverbs and Testimony podcast, hosted by Brad Hux, David Whedon, and Chris Blake. A platform not just for entertainment, but for the sharing of personal testimonies that prayerfully brings inspiration and encouragement to your personal walk with Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us in Matthews 10 and 32 that whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Hey everybody, welcome back to our Proverbs and Testimony podcast. This is our first episode of the new year 2022. We're so excited to kick off uh, this month and this episode with some very special guests and we're excited to see what happens in the, in the next couple of months. Um, to get started with this podcast and this episode, we want to start out with our Rocket Round discussion and it's based off of our faith centered new year's resolution following that discussion we have our first very special guest mandy browning who's going to be sharing her testimony and uh we're all very excited about it i'm no i'm excited about it and the gospel is just going to do great stuff tonight with it happy new year's everyone uh we're at episode five of our podcast but this is episode one of 2022 i think we can all agree that last year was getting this thing moving forward and we're starting to you know get into the process of everything we each one of us gave our personal testimonies and we had our first special guest scott campbell so like every other podcast we're going to start off with an icebreaker question what is your faith-centered New Year's resolution? And to start off on our discussion, we're going to let the special guest, Mandy Brownin, uh, Brownin, lead the way. All right, Mandy, what is your uh, New Year's resolution? I'd like to think that I had one based around my faith, but to be totally transparent, I had not had one. So you've actually got me thinking about implementing that moving forward. So that, it, but I did have time on the bus lot today doing bus duty to think about if I was going to have one moving forward to this year, what would it be? Um, and it kind of goes back to the message that I heard from Stephen Furtick this past um, weekend, and it would be move forward in faith and obey. Um, I think it's really one of the things that he taught, he touched on was trusting God without moving forward is not faith. And so for me, it's moving those pieces and me having to make moves to do what God has already intended for me to do. Awesome. Awesome. I like that. All right, Chris, you're up. So uh, for me, I know we didn't really say name it, you know, come up with a name for it, a title for it. But for me, I got to call it something. So uh, we call it Engage. That's for, so for me, last year was bit of a down year um yeah we got the podcast starting out was fantastic it's a great part of the, of the year but in general faith-wise i was kind of stagnant and kind of froze in place for a while uh, for for a few reasons um so what was on my heart this year is to engage which for me is putting myself out there uh to folks a lot of times strangers um let them know you know, putting, putting, putting forward what Chris is as a believer in Christ. Um, also, for me, it's, it's writing. It's just putting thoughts on paper or, 
as Mandy's had to deal with a few times on our text group, just uh, random, random thoughts about something I've either read the Bible, a sermon, something. So for me, that's, that's what it's got to be this year. Nice, nice, nice. What about you, David? So I love doing these and, you know, doing them every year is, is always something special, but um, it's been really nice, you know, being still a fresh marriage with my wife where we both kind of get to do this together. And uh, this year, I really, really just kind of took a step back and, and looked at who I was and where the Lord has placed me in this season of life. And uh, basically looking back on my past is I, I dealt with a lot of anger and used that anger to uh, keep me going, basically. So this year, in this new year, I really wanted to take that and instead of getting so angry, I wanted to be slow to becoming angry and be quicker to listen. And in my just the first couple of weeks and months of being slow to my anger and quick to listen, I've been actually able to uh, take deeper steps in my walk with Christ. That you know, me saying that um, I'm finally able to uh, feel that energy in my heart to get back involved serving in the church. And I'm super excited, looking forward to that uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks where me and my wife both get to serve again. Um, and we both have big intentions just for doing at-home ministries. And one of our biggest things is, um, is really just praying together. And this was all kind of given to me just in my time of being slow to get angry and being quicker to listen to what the Lord has to say. So going forward in this new year, that's what I'm doing. Um, and I'm just really excited to be on this, this new path forward of, of um, seeing what is best to come for my relationship with Christ. That's really good, man. That's really, really good. Um, for me, I kind of am going to kind of echo uh, Mandy, um, is being more obedient. Um, I feel like last year, my, 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 my goal was to read the Bible in a year, and I was able to do that. And it, it, it just gives you a whole new perspective of just the story, right? Um, and I was able to accomplish that. And but there was so many things that I felt the Holy Spirit push on me that I felt I kept myself so busy in other areas that I didn't necessarily have the Holy Spirit push me to. It, it helped, but I, it wasn't what was loud, I would say. Um, so this year, um, now that, you know, it, my biggest thing is obedience. Um, and some of the things also is that I have to clear time to be obedient because last year I just kept myself so busy uh, with work, with, with Proverbs and Pints and, and all the other stuff that um, I just had an excuse, I would say. So this year to be obedient, I have to make sure I focus on like, what is the Holy Spirit telling me, but also what does the gospel tell me I need to focus on? And uh, with the new addition to my family, I uh, realized that I also have to make time to focus on the ministry that God has placed in front of me, because that is, you know, at the end of the day, that's one of the, the people that you're going to be held 
to to teach the gospel to. So just being obedient, going in directions. Um, me and David are part of a uh, of a, a group that's meeting every month to to help pray and and just worship for our south campus of the church we're at. And and realistically, that's where the Holy Spirit's telling me to put my time into. So on top of this podcast, I think you know just being obedient to to being more efficient with my with with my walk is is key. So. You know, you've heard uh, all of our, our our goals that we have in place for this year. So uh, you as a listener, we would love to hear what you have on your plate for your faith-centered goals. Uh, we're going to p- make a post um, soon uh, that's just going to say, share your faith-centered goals. And please just share it, share this podcast, share that post. Uh, we'll love to hear it. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Um, when we first started talking about doing the podcast, uh, one of the first things I said to the guys was I wanted to get Mandy Browning on as a guest. Um, she is not only just a great all-around person, but uh, you know, I've gotten a chance to know her and, her and her husband, Todd, over the last three years. They're great folks. Uh, Mandy is Tremendous wife, mom, she's an educator, uh, founder of her own nonprofit, the Hosanna Project, and somebody that, again, really been looking forward to hearing from since we started this. So without any further ado, we give you Miss Mandy Browning. Well, first, I want to thank you all so much for this opportunity. It has been um, a real honor to be on the podcast with you all today. Um, those are such sweet words, and I really appreciate it. And thank you again for having me today to share my journey. Um, I think the scariest thing for me is when they said, I want you to share a testimony. And a lot of people think that a testimony is one big instance that occurred that kind of directs you to Christ. And that hasn't been really the case. It's been multiple smaller things that have challenged me through my path that have brought me closer to him. And I think that that is kind of built my testimony. And so with that being the, being um, part of the who I am, I think it's really important for me to go back to the foundational piece is how I grew up, because I think that started my path with God. My first, I grew up, um, I'm the oldest of seven. And so I have, I'm, my youngest one is, uh, my youngest brother is 10 years younger than myself. And so with having t- uh, seven kids total, I didn't grow up, we didn't grow up with a lot, but we grew up with what we needed and we grew up with love. And the one thing that my parents really instilled in Sunday morning, you're going to church. And I'll be honest with you, going to church um, it, for me in a Catholic uh, service was very regimented. And it was sit here, stand here, kneel here, say this prayer. And, you know, we did it, but I will be... It, To be honest with you, I don't know how many times that I fell asleep or like tried to just keep my eyes open for me to like understand what was going on. So what I realized as I got older is I was missing the relationship piece. Um, So I grew up with God. I grew up knowing about him, but I didn't grow up with the relationship piece that eventually comes through a lot of these things that have um, transpired throughout my life. So knowing that, I just picked a few... um, big moments for me. 
And I think along the way, you can tell what really got me is the way that God places something on you and your gut just falls to the ground. Like you just feel the internal pull of God saying, this is something you need to do. This is something you need to step forward in. You've got to trust me. You've got to move with it. And to be honest, I didn't move all the time, but the times that I did move is where you saw um, the faith that he built within me and he got my path. So one of the first things is when I moved to North Carolina with my husband over 15 years ago, I believe it is, um, we were looking for a church. He grew up Baptist, I grew up Catholic, and we saw a lot of pop-up churches here. And we decided like, hey, eventually one day we're going to raise a family, but we need to come up with something and it's kind of in the middle that we're both agreeable with when it comes to raising them in a church. And we started out with a small church that was in an actual movie theater. It was called Journey Church, and it was right in um, Huntersville. And so we went there, and that for us was just like, first of all, that's stepping out for us. Like, what do you mean a church in a movie theater? Like, this is not anything that I have ever um, grown up with. So we went there, and we actually got really attached to it when it comes to the the part of getting involved in churches and then eventually he's just going to have to come along. Uh, so he actually, we went and I said, I want to join a, a group. What do you mean you want to join a group? I want to join a church group because I need to get something more. Like it's great to get the Sunday message, but I need to move forward. And so we joined a group a couple years later. I don't even know what year it was, but I just sitting in church that day, they had gotten a building by that point. I'm sitting in church and they're like, next week, we're going to do a baptism. And I'd been baptized when I was a young, uh, a young baby. And so I'm like, what do you mean you're going to do a baptism? I didn't realize, again, I didn't know all these like lingo, how things work in some of these churches. And they're like, no, you, you go and you dedicate yourself again through baptism. And I felt it, you know, and it's just that gut punch that he says, you need to do it. You need to do it. You need to do it. And so for me, it was one of the most emotional pieces in my, um, come to Christ movement. And it was because I would built that relationship with not only him, but the people around us. We had a solid foundation of who we were. And that was one of the biggest moments for me to be able to say, I am now going to dedicate and I'm going to show people and I'm going to live my life walking to him. Am I perfect at that? No, but I think it's important for you. And it was important for me to take the step myself. It wasn't something that my mom or my parents said, hey, we baptized you. You don't have to do this again. No, it's important for me to build that relationship with him. So that was one of the big moments for me. And then um, another moment came in, and I can't even remember the year, but I can tell you, you, sometimes you never remember dates. You just remember the exact time and where you were and what was happening. And so uh, one of the biggest parts for me is my sister is one year younger than me. And you don't hear very much. I remember getting a call from my mom. I was supposed to run an after-school uh, mentoring program dinner to help our at-risk students come and have their parents there and have them for dinner and have this great um, big celebration. And I get a call from my mom that, hey, your sister's ha um, had an accident at school. She is being life-flighted to the hospital. She has bleeding in the brain. She's one year younger than myself. You don't, you don't anticipate those phone calls. You don't see those coming. Um, knowing that I lived in North Carolina, my family lives in Ohio. The first thing you do is you get in a car and you start driving. 
And I remember I took, there's so many nights that I spent in that hospital. And there's so many nights like watching my sister on, I think she was on a ventilator. I think she had, I mean, she had to have surgery. Um, so many nights I spent in that hospital, just holding her hand and just kind of praying to him to please just get her through this because the reality of this situation is not, it's not a very high survival rate. Um, and if they do survive, it's not very likely that they won't have some kind of repercussions after the fact. So for me, it was spending that, those nights praying and praying and praying. And I guess the great part in looking back now is knowing that the relationship I had built with Christ at that time had built me for that situation moving forward. Um, I remember meeting a guy named Jim that was in the same hospital and his wife also had an aneurysm. And I remember meeting him and we would go in and pray together. We pray over his wife. We would pray over uh, my sister. And it was, gosh, she was in the hospital for three weeks. I wasn't able to be there the entire time, but it was those times that you see him work. And today she is healthy. She's at, she has two great children. Um, gosh, sorry. Like it just, you kind of brings up all the emotions you had before. Um, it, it is one of the defining moments that you know that God has you here for a reason. And I think about that and I, every day. I know that my sister's a miracle and thank God for him to, to keep her here on earth. So for me, that was another one of those defining moments. Um, moving to my personal experiences, um, as in church again, and it's now that, again, after I'm looking at all this, it's all happened in church. It's all revolving around church. Um, I was in church at Journey, and they said, we're going to do a, um, we're going to do a mission trip. You're going to do a mission trip, and there the goes the gut, like, the gut punch. Like, you got to do it. You got to do it. Never traveled out of the country, ever. Ever, ever. My husband's not a traveler. Um, he would never go with me. So I'm like, all right. They're like, we're going to Ethiopia. We're going to go with what's called sports friends. Okay. I have no idea what sports friends is. So we go to sports friends and, or we go through all the stuff we need to go through. And I end up going with one of the guys in my church group at that moment. And so we go there and the idea behind sports friends was to go and have them play soccer, have teams. And they would have them, uh, they all come to one location. It was Camp Lingano in Ethiopia. And they would all come and they would stay there for a couple of days. And the idea is to teach characteristic, Christian characteristics to these children. So we go through sports friends and the idea is for them to learn Christian characteristics through the game of soccer. Um, we get there and we meet our teams and I have this small group. We, we were named Germany at that time. And I got to know every one of them. And a lot of them, none of them spoke my language. Obviously they either speak Amharic or Oromo, Oromeo, um, Oromo. It is. Um, and so it was really awesome. I think really weird things were awesome to me. One, um, just the happiness, the joy of seeing these kids and watching them play soccer. One kid had one flip-flop and that was it. And that's what he came to play in. And he would just flip that flip-flop off and go play. And then we would be able to, you know, we'd sing and dance and we would, for me, it was the energy, you know, not all of them, some and be able to um, provide that word to them, which was really cool. 
So that was just a start for me of what became a very long connection to Ethiopia. Um, and I will say when I went on that trip, we were, had the pleasure of meeting a guy named Gurma, which is going to come up later on too. Um, and Gurma is actually a friend of the pastor of the church I was at, at that moment. And Gurma helped his wife run multiple community centers. And uh, when I, we met my pastor there, because he had moved there for a year long, um, they just moved their entire family to Ethiopia for a year. I don't know exactly what the, they just moved. It was awesome. They just followed God and they said, move. And they did. And they said, hey, let's go to his community center. So we go to his community center. And I, again, I'm in education. I'm assistant principal right now, but I taught high school and I absolutely fall in love with education and love watching it. So we watched at the community center, how they were learning English. And that was really cool. But then one thing I will never, never forget is Gurma looked at me and he said, why don't you just come here and move? Why don't you move here and teach? And I'm, I wanted to drop everything at that moment and say, let me do it, knowing that I felt like that was what I should do. But then I had a husband. So that was hard because he's not one of those that move. Um, but again, it comes back to that piece eventually. Um, one of the most uh, heart-wrenching pieces is the time that I saw that we washed the feet of those that served those kids, the counselors. And I've never experienced anything like that. I've never had or known anyone that had done that before. And so I, I didn't, everyone kept saying, when you do this, this is going to be the most emotional piece that you've ever, you've ever had. And I went there and it's just, you just start bawling and you don't even understand why you're like, just God is just moving you in ways that you can't even understand knowing that you're serving and helping some, some others. Um, so again, it was that get up, move and go that I had to follow to get to these pieces that eventually lead me to where I am today. And again, the, I think you'll find the connection eventually, but those are parts of it. So then I talked about Gurma and one of the things about Gurma that eventually people, Gurma came to live with my, my husband and I actually for about six to eight months, maybe uh, he was misidentified by some people when there's, there's a lot of tension in Ethiopia, he was misidentified. And so he was able to get to the United States, but he had no connection. So he came and lived with us, a man of faith that I have never seen anyone so much like him or so much with, with so much faith in God. And he pushed me and he pushed my barriers and he pushed my husband's barriers to, no, you need to sit down every night and we're going to have a Bible study. And no, we're going to write down this. I want you to, I need you to read this. He pushed me out of my comfort zone to say, no, now Mandy, I need you to run the Bible study and I need you to invite your friends. At that point, we were not in the church group at that moment. So we opened up our house and it was again, out of my comfort zone, something that I would not do on my own. But again, he said, move. And I moved. We had our uh, neighbors, we had friends come over and we started on Bible study and I was the one leading it. Do I feel like I have every credential to be able to do it? No, but sometimes it's not about having that piece It's about following what he's given you and moving with that piece. Um, Gurma, he would actually say, I'm going to take a day of prayer. I'm going to fast. 
um, and you could hear him singing in his bedroom at the top of his lungs, prayer song praises. And again, like, I wish I had the time to be able to do and have that faith that I felt that I saw in him on a daily basis. He taught us more than I could ever teach him. And I think that's part of also the connection to why I absolutely love Ethiopia is because the things that they, that they actually don't have a lot of, we can provide, but what they have for us is something eternal that we need is that, that true faith, that true belief in, in God and knowing that no matter what you do or don't have, that you can continue to move forward in, in him. And then one of the other crazy things when Germa was here, he said, why don't you have children? And I'll be honest, part of me was like, I don't really know if we want kids right now. It's never a good time. Never, never, never. He's like, you need to have children. And so, and I'll be honest, I thought this was kind of a fluke for a second. I will be absolutely honest, but he said, stand up, Mandy. So it's me and Todd and him in my kitchen after a Bible study. And he's, he starts praying on my, over my tummy and he's praying for me to have a child. Two months later, actually two months later, after going to my second Ethiopia trip, because I go to my next Ethiopia trip, I'm sick. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I feel so nauseous. They had to pray over me at, in, in Hosanna. And then I come back home and guess what? You're pregnant. What? Like, I was absolutely like, this is God saying, I feel like God put Gurma in our lives for so many reasons. And yet I... I'm blessed with it. I'm blessed to know this man. I'm blessed to know that how much he pushed me outside of my boundaries. So like I said, I went on that Ethiopia trip and part of that trip was supposed to check out this community center because Germa also laid the seeds of, I, I, want you to, I want you to check this community center out. It's in what's called Hosanna. And I'm like, okay. I'd always, since the first trip, I wanted to go. I wanted to be part of something and I wanted to do something because I felt like God blessed me with so much, whether it's financially, monetarily, like with all the needs and necessities that I have, where they were struggling in so many areas that I could provide assistance to, but yet they were providing me more. And I, and I felt like there's something I can do. There's something I can do. And so he planted the seed, like go to, go to Ethiopia again and bring some friends and go to Hosanna and tell me what you think. Is this the right fit for you? So that trip before I knew I was pregnant, um, I went there. And again, like the excitement, the kids, the singing, the joy, like you would never know that they didn't have what they didn't have because the most important thing they had, most of us do not have, and that's Jesus Christ. And it is absolutely something I will never forget. The feels, just the feels. And it's just amazing. Good. So just if don't mind me button in here for just a second. Go for it. That was that was interesting as you were talking about your first trip there, where kind of the goal was to take the idea of Jesus to them. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they had a lot waiting for you already. And yeah. kind of kind of the, the interesting things that you don't expect in life when you when you to your point, um hear that word and, and act on it. A hundred percent, Chris. Um, that's what I say now too, is because they bring me more than I could ever bring them. And, 
And I don't even know, to be honest, sometimes I wonder why we go on mission trips to other countries where I feel that they have a larger and bigger faith than we do here in the United States. And I think it also takes the difference in knowing how you live here and how others live in other areas. What we, what we think is an absolute norm, like a house, a door, a bedroom, our own bedrooms, you know, like basic stuff that they don't have, nor do they need. What they have is what a lot more stronger than what we, what um, the many people do have. Did you know anything about Ethiopia before you went over there? Like, you know, I'm not good with geography or anything. So like, if I went over there, it would be coming into it like, like really just a foreign country, like absolutely no expectations. I had no idea, but I'll tell you after your third and fourth trip there, you learn a little bit more about the culture and how to handle people. Um, like I said, I'd never been out of the country. So let alone, I did a little bit of research. Um, I started to learn a little bit of, um, a little bit of the language. Like, uh, thank you is um, Amasaganalo. That's just thank you. Like that takes a little bit of practicing. Um, but no, I had no idea what I was in for. They had done all the research prior to on my first trip. And then the second trip, I organized myself with the help of Gurma to be able to determine what do I need to do? Because his wife, actually, when he moved over, his wife and family were still in, um, they were still in Ethiopia and they would still come. The police would still come looking for him at their home. So it was a very, again, he's not a criminal. I don't want anyone to think that, but different countries handle different things a lot different. Um, they could, you know, it's not the equal just of what we hope and pray we have here in the United States. So um, he's still living in the United States and it's been, I want to say about five years since he's been able to see his family. He's, thank goodness, I think hopefully within the next year, he'll be able to go back and see them for the first time in a long time. So again, it's following that, those pieces there at Gurma is big picture. And so moving forward, I have our first baby girl and um, we go into the, I had to go into first C-section and they say, hey, we need, a, we need to do C-section, not an emergency C-section by any means, but they say, okay, we're going to take you in about 12 o'clock. Awesome. Because she just, again, sorry, it's, I'm the only girl in here, but they, she wasn't dropping fast enough to be able to do the normal birth. Um, and so basically they do the C-section and they take her over and they set her on the um, cart to do the weighing and all that stuff. And I'm kind of in and out of um, anesthesia per se, like not really knowing what's going on. But then the next thing I know is like, I just see a lot of people like rush over to her. And I remember looking at my husband and I saying, is, is, is she okay? Is she okay? And um, <clears throat> And he just, he reassured me like, yeah, yeah, she's okay. When in reality, like mama's intuition knew something was wrong. Um, she had stopped breathing. And so for that piece, um, I'm still out of it. They take me into the recovery room. They had to do all this stuff um, in, in the NICU. And for 36 hours, I didn't see her, but she ended up coming too. And everything was good, but it was just like the difference of the transition from going from natural birth and then from a C-section that kind of deterred her from, from, I guess, everything being normal. But holy cow, you want to talk about a roller coaster and how God has a way of doing things. Like 
for me, that means that that girl has a blessing on her that there's no way, like she's going to do big things. But at the same time, it's thank you, Lord. You know, Gurma prayed for this baby. We prayed over this baby. We now, you know, the devil did not win that. She is here and she is here for God. And that for me was another one of those, oh my gosh, like there's a ration, there, there's a reason he's here. So we have her on 2017, and that is the first year we started the Hosanna Project. Because at that point I said, okay, let's do this. The Hosanna Project is the nonprofit that we began that works in Hosanna. It's with the community center. And what we do is we sponsor kids. And with the sponsorship, it's basically they get a, a meal every single day. They are able to get their tuition paid for school. They are able to get, um, if it's a family sponsorship, they're also able to get business training for their families. And the idea is for us to eliminate the poverty, the cycle of poverty. So um, education is huge, but what we get in the United States is free education. They don't necessarily get free education. They have to pay for it. And a lot of families cannot afford to do so. So that's part of our goal. And again, that's part of the reason why um, we began that process. So from the very beginning, Ethiopia has been where I have started my journey. And I hope that it just continues with this. But um, we started, we're on year, what is it? 20, gosh, what is that? Three, four, four years, four years-ish. So we are going strong. I'm happy. It's a small nonprofit, but I, we run it with our small board. And it, we're really proud of where we are. There's if you want to talk about God moving again, like every year we have to pay for um, the community center rent. And that's, that's $5,000. Like I said, we're not a huge organization, but it's, that's a big chunk of change if you're a small organization. How does it, how do you get it? Go ahead, Chris. So um, since we're talking about that, uh, folks are listening. If anyone was interested in helping out donating uh, to, to Hosanna Project, um, you have a website. How could they go about finding out about you and, and where we could do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the website is www.hosanna, H-O-S-A-N-N-A, project.org. And so we started that organization, but every year I, I keep telling myself, don't fret over this. It's going to happen. Put your trust, I keep telling myself, put your trust in him because he's made it work every year. Every single year, we've been able to pay what we need to. We have right now 62 at our, at our community center and we're hoping to just continue to add. Did you have a question, Brad? Um, you mentioned about the families getting business training and like from, from a perspective of myself and a listener, like here, it's not average for a family to have business training, right? right? Like we all have our typical trainings. Um, and, but so what, what is a typical training for a business for a family? I know I kind of like reworded that same thing, but pretty much like when a family gets trained for a business, like what are y'all typically seeing and, and how does that usually play itself out? So I think it's important to think about um, a lot of the families already that we have in the program. And part of it is that many of them did not go to school um, because they couldn't afford it. So the basics of doing the math, the budget, how do you invest? What do you invest? So getting the basic 
uh, financial piece is one one part. The next piece is going to be um, what are their interests? Because when we talk about a business, um, their businesses are selling cattle, selling you know livestock. It can be selling pottery, which is really well known in that area. It could be um, I'm trying to think selling woven scarves or something to that extent. So it's a lot of them trying to, we have government, a lot of government workers from the capital of Addis come in and they teach them that piece about how, what does it look like? How, how much do you have to put in? And what is the, what do you need to buy for products? What do you need to have and how to budget that? So that way you're making money rather than either just cutting even. So it's teaching basics of that for them, because again, businesses there and here are very different because Hosanna is more of a countryside in which it's not, um, it's not the city oriented piece that most of us think about. So how do you, do y'all, I assume like also train the, the kids that are in the family as well. So like whenever it comes down, like passing down the family business, it's kind of like a transitional thing. So I think that can be part of it, but we also are trying to trying to build the the interest of the student as well. I'm hoping that a lot of these students will go on to the college university level and maybe they don't need to learn the business necessarily, but they want to learn what their interests are. Um, but I will tell you a lot of our kids now still work with the families and they still, sometimes they don't go to school. Sometimes they don't come to the community center because they're busy selling stuff for their families at the market usually. So I just kind of want to uh, jump in here. I, I noticed something uh, real quick when you started talking just a little bit about your past and, and then how you transitioned into uh, starting this nonprofit. And I saw something really cool is how um, I also grew up in a really big family. Uh, there's eight children in mine and I'm the second to youngest. And, um, you know, growing up, we had a four bedroom home and we all, we never, kind of like what you said, uh, we always had what we needed all the time. Everything, every, food was always provided for, uh, bills were always paid, and we always got to church on time, mm -hmm. regardless of the circumstances of getting all the kids in the van. But um, what I saw that was super cool is how you said, um, growing up, you always had what you needed. Everything was provided for you, what you needed. And then how you go, and now you're, you're older, um, you start a nonprofit, you're trying to raise money to meet the budget and it's always provided with what you need and i just thought it was so cool to see the similarities that you know it may not be exactly what you want but god is always going to provide you with what you need and i just i saw that similarity there and i just thought it was so cool that's a great point i never again it's really awesome to hear the different perspectives because you don't always pick those out of your own stories no, you're absolutely correct. And it is, it kind of moves, it goes back to kind of like my theme, like you just keep moving forward and know that it's going to be there. You can't always, it's not going to be maybe what you want, but it's going to be what you need for that moment. And I think that's really important, the comparison. What you want and what you need are different. You know, I, I don't, I don't always want the hassle or the stress of doing something additional, but what he's giving you exactly what you need every single time. And I think that's really vital. And then I just had two other pieces to what kind of made my journey. I'm going to add them in here. So then we end up finding out we're pregnant with our next child. Um, and our next one was born on in 2020. And again, I had some complications with him and they, 
I just remember the doctor, I had to have a C-section again. And the doctor said, wow, you have a miracle baby. And no one told me about this, but he had the cord wrapped around his neck and literally like, no, it was not going to, if you waited any longer, this could be very serious. So I just, again, God has blessed me with two amazing children that I didn't know I needed or, or wanted in my life until someone like Gurma said, Hey, you do need this. You have this potential. It's almost like, I swear, like God spoke through Gurma so many times in my life to be able to, for me to see God more so in where, where I was. And then the last situation has probably been the most recent and the toughest one for me um, altogether. I, when I moved down here 15 years ago, I started teaching and I became extremely, extremely close with one of the co- my um, coworkers and we became best friends, like the instant, like instantly became best friends, been through thick and thin. She had always been by my side, always done, you know, if I ever needed something, she was there and vice versa, if she ever needed something, you know, we all went through ups and downs. We went through things that, you know, were not easy to deal with, but we were always there. Um, and then at one point, um, she had come out to me and said, hey, I, 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 as my best friend, I want you to know something about myself. And she had told me that she um, was a lesbian, which is absolutely fine. And never changed my, changed, my or changed my perspective of her. Never did it change who I thought she was because she was still the same person I've, I've known since day one. And so we were, we were close. We hung out together. Everything was just as normal. Cause that doesn't change who you are. Um, but there was one thing that she had asked me, she's like, Hey, we got engaged. I, I was excited for them. Like, I want them to be happy as all as any friend would want them to be happy. And they said, we have a really important job for you. I'm like, you do. Well, well what's that? And they're like, I want you to officiate the wedding. And so I didn't have words at the moment. I'll be honest. It was very hard to, and I'm not, I have to process things a little bit before, but the more and more I sat with that, the more and more I struggled myself, not because of who she is, not because of what it, just because I didn't feel comfortable being able to do that, knowing where I was in my faith journey. And that took a lot. It took a lot out of me because I constantly questioned myself. I think that that's part of it too. When you're in this faith struggle, it's not easy. And so you're constantly wrestling with how do you handle this situation? Where, what does it say? What does it say in the Bible? I need to look at this and I need to dissect every little word. Um, I've talked to friends. I talked to our church, our e-group um, leaders. And I said, give me books. I want to read. I want to know everything I can because I want to make a good decision before or figure out what my best route is because it's really important that I ha- I don't feel I don't feel good. It it was one of those things like he put this weight on you and he said you know what to do but it's not going to be easy and you've got to trust what I what you feel and you need to do what what I'm telling you to do. But the part of going through with it was the hardest part. And so just telling her that I didn't feel comfortable officiating the wedding was one of the hardest things I've had to do from someone that I considered my sister. She was in my wedding. I, w- I 
I never, I never envisioned this being the case. And it was one of the defining moments for me where I felt like God tested me to my core and where he said, all right, it's time to really stand up to where you are supposed to be. It's time to stand up to what you believe. And again, it's not about the person or, or their relationships or who they are. It was something I wasn't comfortable with. And I think that's, that's what's important. It built me to say, I don't feel comfortable with this. And unfortunately, we're definitely not the same place that we were. I will always love, care, and cherish and wish nothing but the best for them. In fact, I wish we were the, exactly the same place that we were before. But when, but sometimes when you take a stand or when you do something that's hard, it changes, it changes things. And I think that's where God said, all right, this is, this is one of those things that you're going to have to do. And this is something that I'm, I'm pushing. I'm not pushing, but I'm giving you the opportunity to show who you are and where you are. That's, 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 you know, that is something that, uh, when I heard you tell this story before, I was thinking that like, you know, personally in myself and I had a reflection on myself, like I have not been, I have not had my faith kind of tested like that. And, um, you know, when you think about that scenario, um, it's all about Christ, right? It's all about Christ and his teaching. And we're here and, and let's not forget the most important thing, uh, that Christ told us is to love our neighbors. Um, that is the most, that is, you know, besides love God, that is the second most important, uh, commandment. So, you know, you always have to look at that. Um, and also you have to look at one of the most bitter tasting, but so true is, um, and, and if you look at it from, you know, the straightforward and you read it exactly word for word, it could kind of be misleading, but it tells you in the Bible, your relationship with Jesus Christ, everybody, your wife, your kids, they come second to Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that is the foundation of who we are in Christians. And to show our love to Christ, it's through obedience. And remember that obedience is also to love our neighbors. So um, to, with that said, you also went to Ethiopia and, 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 and I apologize if I get the wrong, Gurma. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. So he grew up in an area where I'm pretty sure Christianity was not like fully welcomed, right? Um, it was, I think they're most, mostly Orthodox Christians. Okay. Orthodox. Okay. Um, but you, you got out of that comfort zone. And one of the things I was reading in a book by David Platt called Radical, and he's talking about how like the American culture really, as it is in a blessing that we can do what we do. It's also in a interesting way, a curse, right? Because we have never truly been tested. And um, because we don't have to worry about hiding our faith. Um, but in like places like China, where they have to meet in underground places, the, you know, they're, they're more like stuck to the gospel in regards to like being, being obedient than I think like we could ever, you know, fathom. Cause I was, I hear stories of people being like, you know, curse God or die. Like, that's a huge, that's a huge thing that, you know, I, I, I would like to think 
that I'm, you know, that dedicated, but who knows, you know, it's like when fight or flight kicks in. So, but going back to, to the scenario you're talking about, how did your missions trip and your home, I, I would assume going to Ethiopia humble, humble mm-hmm. in, in like a huge way. How did that grow you closer in training and closer to Christ? How did that play a part in regards to you uh, making that uncomfortable step in obedience? That's a great question. I think, and I can't say I'm good with this right now because when I go back to Ethiopia, you had the time, like you said, the difference in culture, it provides a lot of complexity for us here. Um, But having that time and focus with God and having that relationship. And I think it's almost having that peace of knowing, like after that decision, after that conversation was had, I felt peace. Like I said, I felt a big weight. I felt a big, like something's got to give. And as soon as I was able to speak the truth of, or my truth, speak my truth. It was the weight was lifted. And I think that a lot of those based on knowing who God is and having that relationship. And that all comes from everything I've kind of said before, because I didn't have that strong of faith. If you would have given me that same situation, um, the first year that I went to Ethiopia, there's no way, there's no way I would made the same, the same decision. It's just because I was not grown in my faith. And it's, it takes you growing in your faith to get to those points where you have to step up in that piece. Now, I was just going to uh, kind of tag on in there because uh, we've we've had I've I've we've talked about that uh, that same situation before with your friend, and the, the biggest thing for me for, from that was was one obviously following following your faith, but also at the same time, I think something and we've talked about it before here on here um that gets lost a lot these days is the understanding of following your faith but not having a hatred of the person Mm -hmm. and i think that gets missed a lot these days because if we are truly following our our, you know god in the teaching of jesus um, it's my understanding that yes, there, there are on the on the level of yes, we must follow our faith, we must follow what what we are taught and, and where that leads us. But all at the same time, to Brad's point, you know, Jesus very clearly stated that we are to love our neighbor. He didn't put any kind of qualifications on that. So, you know, I, that's one of the things that, that I definitely got from what you were saying. I hope un- people understand that. We are not talking about hatred of any particular belief system or or any or anything else. Um, the the love the love of the person is 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 still there. If it's not there, then then we're missing out. And I really hope that that was absolutely communicated too, because that is I don't have any ill will to anyone. I, that's not who I am, um, and I actually wanted to preface with the fact that know that even though you know what you can you should do it doesn't come with struggle internally and know that that is part of the growth process like I read multiple books I read the bible I I mean like I I constantly challenged myself am I in the right mind like am I doing the right thing am I ostracizing somebody else for their beliefs like these things go through your head constantly 
And that's not the point. Yeah, no. Um, and I think we've we saw this before as well that um, I think from the outside looking in, folks will look to Christians and go, oh, well, that's and that's simple. You know, the simplicity of just asking for forgiveness, of just, you know, following this word, following that word. And the reality of it is, is that it isn't easy. It's the idea is very simple, but the actual taking action and sometimes the uncomfortable part that comes along with some of it, it's not a, it's not an easy process. Yeah. And a couple things I want to add, uh, kind of going back to, uh, you know, I want to, I just like to throw this out there. There's a sermon, uh, series that our pastor, uh, Josh Finkley at the rock in Conway did called true, uh, love handles. And his, it was a series on how to deal with certain types of, you know, things in life. And his basic foundation was handling it with truth and handling it with grace. And whenever you handle something with the extreme of each end, he, he used the, you know, those little workout bands. <laughs> so that's what he, he used for an illustration. He said, if you go in one direction, it's not going to go do anything. If you go in the other direction, it's not really going to do anything. So if you give all love uh, or all grace, it's not going to work. But if you give all truth, then it's going to come off. It's not going to work as well. And, and he talked about how, like, through the scripture, you never hear uh, Jesus really go to town on con uh, condemning. He shows himself. He shows love. He shows grace. And he, you know, he, he tells them, do not sin anymore. Um, but it's always him going against the people that are so caught up in the self-righteousness. That's the whole, like, that's the whole story of Jesus. I mean, everybody is, is, is the son of God showing how it's really done against the people that are just really thinking that they have the gate and the key to the kingdom, but in reality, it's not. And I just think of, uh, of a discussion I had with somebody and, and, you know, the loudest will gets the, gets the oil or that's actually not the term I was looking for, but usually the loudest people get the, uh, people, people attack to it, right? Like they want that to be in. And I just think of like the Westboro Baptist church, how like they, when people think of like Christians hating, you know, it's, they think, oh, that's the face of it. It's absolutely incorrect. Like you will not find any scripture like, yeah, because I, I actually pulled it up to their website. If you, you know, their URL is just sin in itself. Um, and they can throw scripture out there, but it's missing the point. And that's what the whole New Testament is about. It's about, yeah, you got this scripture, but you're missing it. You are missing it. You are missing it. You are missing it. And you know, I just wanted to throw that out there about, you know, truth and grace. And when you add both of those, just like that workout band, that's when you start to grow. God has surely stretched me in that situation um, by far, but I think it was something that it was a test on, on my account. And I hope one day when I get up there, he says, you passed it because I I know I'm going to fail some others. So, so 
what is what what is some visions you have for the Zana project down the road, like where you're at now? What 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 is some goals you have um, for it in regards to growth and like how you can uh, continue to do what you're doing? So biggest thing is to add kids because the more impact we can have, the better off we'll be for that community. Um, I think um, this is a huge big picture thing that's way down the road, but I would love for us to be able to build our own place because part of the problem that we've had is that we've had to move from place to place because they're rented. And then when the renters are like, okay, we don't want you to be there anymore. We have to find another place. So we've been in three different locations. So it would be wonderful to be able to say we have land and we're going to build. Um, ultimately that'd be the, that'd be great. Um, but to add on, there's a couple things I've thought of that I would love to do. Um, I would love to do, um, some kind of like church group with them, like the kids at our community center. Um, again, the part of the problem is the language barrier. So like, even if I want to get a curriculum, I need something to be translated. Um, so that's part of that piece. Um, trying to think, I think. And a lot of it, unfortunately, revolves around the financial piece. Like the more money you have, the more you're able to do. So it's always about what is what we can do. I know that I know that there's a lot of little things that could be done, like just getting some more books, or it could be like school uniforms every year. That costs a decent amount for us for each one of the students. So just having the having the financial capital to do those pieces. I'm not asking for a lot, but really they don't need a lot. I just want to be able to provide them the opportunity. I don't know anything about real estate, but like, do y'all have any issues when it comes to like buying land, right? Can you, how does that go about? And I know this might be a little bit too, too deep for, for a testimony podcast, but is, is the path clear? Like, is there any kind of things y'all huddles y'all have to do from being, like how does it go from being a are y'all based in America who would the ownership of the property be is that an obstacle that y'all would run into so great part about our organization is that really the Hosanna project is a financial piece to help the the people in Ethiopia we have it all Ethiopian based um faculty or I, that's not a great word but um staff that works there we have a director we have cooks we have a guards that are there we have teachers so we have a big staff there that's all within that community and so with that they are their own also have their own nonprofit through ethiopian government because they have to have that and then the problem is that they need to if they can connect with someone from the united states to help provide the financial piece so my understanding from our director is that they would be able, the government may be able to give us land to be able to, to build. It's just a matter of finding the capital to build, build with. And it's not nearly as expensive as you would think of building something here. Have you ever had any, uh, like you've been doing this for, I think, four to five years now. Mm -hmm. um, have y'all ever, have you ever had like a kid or a family that was interested in, coming to the United States. Um. So I have never had that. I'm sure that that would be something they would love to do. I think a lot of it is the financial piece. 
yeah um for them but i do i know that we had i had taken the last trip i went we went with i went i did some online courses for nonprofits because that's not my forte education mm -hmm. is my forte so when i did that i met a woman that's like hey i want to take my daughter on a mission trip let's go through your organization and so right now like we went the last trip and they they absolutely loved it so we've taken people over there and i think that is part of my mission is i want people to see you can hear it in my voice you can you can hear what i tell you you can watch a video on our website but when you see what they do there and who they are it it just brings everything to light and i think that that's when the buy in occurs is when you see what you're doing is making a difference so so you kind of you kind of answered it um but I'm going to still throw this out there just to get the question out. And how important do you think it is for anybody who's really, you know, has a desire to grow in their faith to do a mission trip at least once in their life? A hundred percent, huge, huge, huge. Um, and I can say that from personal, personal accounts. Like I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know what that is, but Unfortunately, I really feel like that's a horrible like title for it because really the mission is to you more than it is that you go and you serve a mission. I mean, because you can give someone a product, you can give them money, you can give them food, but that, you know, sometimes you're not giving them any more than that. What they give you in return is the fulfillment of your soul with what they're, you know, the fulfillment of what they believe. And I think that is vital to someone. If someone's not sure where they stand, go somewhere that they have that that doesn't have anything because if you were in that spot where would you go and i think that was part of my question if i didn't have what i had would i go to god would i would i automatically automatically default to that and it shouldn't be a default it should be an everyday foundational piece but i think that you know when you see these families that they are completely happy with what they have and who they are and they're laughing and they don't think about, at least I don't get that. Um, they don't think about all the things that we think about in a very first world country. I think it is absolutely vital if you're questioning to go somewhere and see where, see people in an environment of what, of less than you have and see how they handle it. Another thing that just really came and it kind of goes to something we heard from uh, Scott Campbell last podcast is he, <laughs> he has a funny story of him smuggling Bibles into Mexico and um, Mexico is based in Roman Catholic. So you're thinking, all right, you're sneaking the Bible into Mexico. Like what's the issue? And he kind of gave us a background, like the Roman Catholic church doesn't really believe and, and this is his quote and, and not mine, but Roman Catholic church does not believe in like anybody outside of like, you know, preachers and stuff to have scripture. Cause it's kind of like the dangers of inter interpreting it wrong. So with that, I'm just kind of see like, have y'all ever been, being a faith-based like uh, organization, have y'all ever ran into any kind of like, uh, I would say for the lack of better terminology, like a uh, buddy heads, maybe from a deeper theology standpoint, or is that kind of been because you're there to really help with, 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 with the families that it doesn't really show itself that much. So I will be the, 
I want to grow more in bringing the faith part to them. I think that that's where I need to grow with our organization. I have not, I have not really seen that, but I know that there's some families in our, in our home, in our community center that don't have the same beliefs because we are open. But I think that that's where I would like to see us grow. So I haven't seen it directly, but I know it's there. And I'd like to work on bringing more of the, the really, uh, the religious aspect and the connection piece to our community center. If let's say um, I'm not familiar with with the whole process, so let's say um, I wanted to, to to help out, like what options are available? Because I know we already kind of got the, the the website and then donations, but like let's say I want to help with a family, how do I go about doing that? So we have again, you'd have to go to our website um, org. and then on there there is a tab on the top that says children waiting. And you can go in there. And I think we have about 10 right now. And there's two options. There's a picture and there's their little bio and story about what's going on that, that, that they need our assistance. And you can choose two options. You can choose to sponsor the child or you could sponsor the child and family. And so when you sponsor the family, it's $40 a month. And when you sponsor the fa- or sorry, yeah, child is $40 and sponsor the child and family is $55 a month. The only difference is that, um, we provide the business training when you do the family piece. And we also provide monthly rations to those families because again, a lot of them are still living very below the poverty rate. And so in order for them to continue to, I guess, flourish and also give basic food for their families, because sorry, I'm going to backtrack for one second. One thing you should know is that Ethiopian government is very particular about who gets assistance. So everything goes through them and only one child per family is able to be sponsored. So that's why when we give the rations, it's for us to help continue to feed the rest of the family as well. Um, But that would be part of the family sponsorship. And then again, the child sponsorship goes through the daily meals. They do the um, school, part, part of the school supplies, not all of it, but part of it. They do the after school tutoring and then um, the school fees. I noticed on the website that your husband is also y'all are a team. <laughs> how, this is going to be a little fun question. How has this helped, you know, grow y'all's marriage coming together in missions? So that's a loaded question, Brad. Um, um, I think that I would, it's grown me. It's not my husband's, I guess, his, his wheelhouse. I would like it to grow him more, but I think that I'm still trying to get him just to go first. So I think the fact is that he believes in me and knows that like what I'm doing is for the good of the good of the kingdom, but it's still not exactly his passion, but he's like, I'm there to support you. So I'm working. My next point is working to get him there. So then again, like I said, once you get there, it it might bring a whole different perspective. We should just make t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's great. You know, just seeing, seeing y'all kind of, you know, cause you're, you're, you're in public education and that in itself is its own missions trip. So I want to kind of, you know, we've been talking about that. I want to kind of go, go to that area. Like how has your faith helped you do your job of, of your assistant principal, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. How has your faith really 
helped you in regards to, 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 to helping kids out. And also one of the great things is you get to deal, you get to help out parents as well. So where has your faith really assisted you with keeping that vision in regards to what you're doing at, at school? Well, I'll tell you, I start my day off with a prayer in the car on the way to work every single morning. Um, and it kind of goes like, please give me the conviction, the ability to show yourself through me. Um, please allow me to communicate effectively to those within my school, to our parents, to my um, staff. So I'm first thing first, prayer. Um, and then it's definitely I'm listening to worship music in the car because I have to start my day off with something positive, because as soon as you hit the door running, like you're literally running the rest of the day. If you're in public education, you pretty much know that. Um, and so for me, it's starting off with the right foot. And I think a lot of it is giving grace. Um, we know that no one's perfect. We've all run into that. But when I deal with certain situations, yes, there's part of me that has to be the, unfortunately, the disciplinary, where I have to give down consequences. But there's part of me that has says, listen, we all make mistakes. It's what you do with this mistake and how you learn from it and what you do moving forward that makes your character. So I love the piece of having those one-on-one -on -one conversations with students. Um, with parents, sometimes it's a little more difficult, um, but I think it's also being patient and kind and understanding because I think now that, I mean, being a parent myself, you see the perspective where they're coming from. You may not understand it, you, may, you see it, you may not understand it or, or think that it is, um, I guess, the best option. But I think, again, it's giving that grace and hearing. People just want to know that they're being heard. And so I think for me, it's using God's grace and patience and kindness wherever you can. And then, you know, obviously you're not allowed to use any uh, religious things within the public school system, which is a shame. But I think you can show that through your character on a day-to-day -day basis. It's uh, really cool that you mentioned that, that, you know, it is a shame you can't bring in, you know, religious aspects to a lot of the public schools, but um, kind of like what you were saying, uh, you can bring, you know, your character and who you are and, and share that. I think it's so cool that just listening to you and hearing um, just what God has put in your heart and has given you your calling is all centered around love in everything you've done. And that is something huge that you can bring everywhere you go. Public schools, Ethiopia, anywhere you go, you can bring love. And I just, you have such a calling, you know, to children, to families, to ministry, and it's beautiful. I mean, I love just... I've always wanted to talk to somebody, you know, who's, who started a nonprofit, like something like this, because, you know, it's really hard to, to find those types of people, because, you know, there's not very many out there. But I just, I, I love hearing what you have to say. And it just kind of reminds me a little bit about, I, th I think I said it back in, um, back in one of our other podcasts, is, is how like, God wouldn't call you to do something if he didn't think you could handle it. And just to know that everything that you've been through has been handled with love and it's been more powerful than anything the devil can throw at you. He doesn't have a, he doesn't stand a chance to even come near you and the mission that you're on 
of what God's called you to do. I just think it's wonderful. Thank you so much. The one thing you mentioned, uh, it's it's kind of funny how like when you become a parent, you get this whole new perspective of of, of things, and um, especially when the going gets tough, right? Um, for me, work has gotten tough. And um, it, for the listeners out there, I had my first child in November. And um, so I had a, guy, a dad come in uh, unexpected, which already, you know, I, I, I battle with anger. And especially when things are tough, like I feel like that's where God shows me a lot of conviction is when I start seeing stuff like, you know, I start getting frustrated. Um, he comes in and it was a dad trying to get his kids, uh, his son's plans engineered. And um, I was just, I came down there and I wasn't like, I, you know, I was just like, yeah, you know, here, but I can tell like, when you know, when you get like, you're very tense or something like people can tell that except you. And um, I left and I felt, I felt the biggest gut punch. And it was like, this dude was just, I, 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 it had to be the Holy Spirit. It's like, this dude is trying to help his son out. Didn't say anything more. And I was just thinking like, oh, that is horrible. How I, and, and like I said, I, I got his stuff and, you know, serving him. But just the simple reactions to, to people, it's a humbling process when you become a parent. Because it's all about, you know, learning patience, learning truth, learning grace. So I just, you know, I, when you said something about being a parent, it just reminded me of, of, of that. And it, it totally changes everything that you thought was normal at one point. It just goes out the window. Well, and know that while I may be doing great with all this, sometimes even I don't feel like I feel as is I don't feel like I'm the best parent. You know, I struggle with a lot of like, am I home a lot? Am I do? I mean, there's a lot of struggles that come with all these great things. But again, like I'm just trusting in God to show the way, and I'm hoping things that will will kind of pan out and easy up a little bit. But no matter how much someone looks like they got it all together, there's there's some other things that might be struggling with too. One last thing, because I think we a I asked Scott this because he was in uh, missions. All right. This is like an elevator. We call it elevator question. And that is if you were on the elevator with somebody and you had this amount of time to give a to give a bit of advice, what would you say? If you were standing in an elevator with somebody who just felt the Holy Spirit take over and wants to jump into missions, what would you tell them? what is he telling you to do? Like, I would want to know first, what is he telling you to do? And then how do you need my help to make it happen? Because I think half the battle is, I'll be honest, when I went to my first mission trip, my husband was in law school. He did not have a job. I was a teacher at that time. We didn't have the money to be able to provide my, my way there, you know? And then all of a sudden, like you trust that it's going to happen and you start sending out flyers or whatever it was that I did letters and it came and it came more than I needed. And it's, so it is, what do you need to make it happen? So there, there's no, regret, no regrets and then just do it. Just do it.
thank you again for coming to us tonight. And I just ask that if you have that calling in you, if you have that urge, or if you have that desire that I was talking about earlier, that you want to see God move in you, know that he is there and he's ready for you. He's ready for you to take that leap and follow through with one of those things that I kind of went through with my testimony is you've got to do it. You've got to move forward. So, you know, if you, if you know that God is your Jesus Christ and that he died for you and died for your sins, I ask that you go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you have and where you brought me to tonight. I ask that you please, um, Please know that you are the savior of my life and that you have brought me to this point and I ask that you continue to bring me forward and that you are the light of my life and I believe that you are brought to us to save us from our sins. Please pray that prayer with us tonight and know that he is ready for you to come home. Thank you so much, Lord, and thank you for this blessing with all of those that are um, listening and please continue to watch over them and pray for them. In Christ's name, amen. This has been another episode of the Proverbs and Testimony podcast. Your hosts pray that it has been a blessing to you. Please send your testimonies, prayer requests, and praise reports to the Facebook page, Proverbs and Testimony podcast. Be sure to include whether you want them shared on air to be a blessing to others as well. Until next time, go and teach the gospel and the gift of salvation to everyone within your reach, as we are instructed by Jesus in Matthew 28, so that they themselves can enjoy the gracious gift of everlasting eternal life.